There. That better? Can you hear me now? This has been such a blessing to me to sit out here and listen to the messages and to receive the encouragement that um, comes from these various gentlemen. Tonight, I'm going to be sharing with you from Hebrews 11, 30 to 40. Hebrews 11, 30 to 40. By faith, they overcame. <clears throat> and we're in the middle of a processional of people of faith, and we pick up in verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith... Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what more shall we say? For time will fail me if I tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to fight. Women received back their dead by resurrection and others were tortured, not accepting their release, in order that they might obtain a better resurrection." And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goat, goat skins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men of whom the world was not worthy wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Let's pray together. And Father, we come to you tonight and we have a list of those who have gone before us, whose faith has been found sufficient, and yet they were not perfected apart from us. And so we stand before you tonight, we sit before you tonight, as those who are privileged to have received the grace that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have seen the hope of all mankind, and now, Lord, it's our turn to live by faith. We pray that you would speak to us, encourage us, and touch each of our hearts that we may live holy for you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Up until now, these um, testimonies of these saints have been kind of like with a rifle and a scope, and we could single in on Moses and Abram and different aspects of their life, but tonight we have a whole series of individuals and it's kind of like pastor kevin gave me a double barrel shotgun and a box of shells and said now let's see if you can hit something and so we have all these individuals joshua and rahab and gideon and barak and samson and david and the prophets and and so 
I'm not going to be able to deal exhaustively with all of them, though they are all just marvelous testimonies, each of their own. But I would like to do a just a quick series through them, kind of like cardboard testimonies, maybe a little bigger than that, maybe a freezer box. And kind of look at these individuals. And um, we're looking at Joshua and Judges and the prophets. And so first with Joshua, we look at an individual who had a perfect testimony. As far as I know, there's nothing in scripture that uh, says anything that he failed in. And he, um, he was faithful. First to Moses, and as we read through Exodus, we find that Joshua was at the tent of meeting when Moses was there. He was as close to Moses could be uh, as he could be when Moses was up on the mountain. He would come to the foot of the mountain as close as he could get. And through all the trials and the tests that God placed upon the people of Israel, Joshua was always faithful to Moses, never, never departing from his confidence in God. And to God, he was faithful. In the conquest of Canaan, to the extent that even as he was dying, he said to the nation of Israel, you know, choose whom you're going to serve. If you're going to serve the Baals, then go after them with all your heart. And if you're going to serve the Lord, then serve him with all your heart. In other words, don't straddle the fence. Make a decision what you're going to do in life. And he concluded saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Cheryl and I have that on the wall in our house. That's a decision. As for me and my house, Joshua said in his dying moments, we're, I'm going to serve the Lord. And my house is going to serve the Lord. Not a glitch in his faith and his service of God. Then we go to Rahab in verse 31. <clears throat> he says, by faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And Rahab was of a corrupt social stigma as a harlot. And the Bible doesn't really say whether she was one voluntarily or it was a forced moral compromise. In that culture as well as today, there are those who are involved in prostitution who did not choose that, but have been forced into it. However, she was viewed as that in her community. I love the song at the cross that you lead us in occasionally John there's a line in there I'm not going to get it exactly right it speaks of the wrongs we have done and the wrongs done to us that are covered at the cross and to me that's a wonderful thought that the blood of Jesus Christ heals me and cleanses me not only from the sins that I have been done but the things that have been done to me and restores me and Rahab benefited from the opportunity of faith that was placed before her and she welcomed the spies and actively delivered God's servants. And she was delivered from the ban on Canaan to become God's servant and indeed became the great-grandmother of David and enters into the lineage of the Messiah. What a marvelous thing 
And whatever our background and whatever we have participated in or whatever has been impressed upon us against our will, we can enter into the lineage of God's grace through Jesus Christ. What a wonderful testimony. And then Gideon, who began as of the smallest tribe and he viewed himself as small and he was fearful and doubting and and was a very, very insecure individual. And an angel comes to him and says, you know, greetings, great man of God, you know, great warrior. And he's kind of like, who, me? And viewed himself as the least. And yet through his obedience to God, even fearful obedience, he was mighty in battle and defeated the hordes of the enemy. But then later in his life, as he became great and successful and he received gold from the spoils of war from all of the warriors in battle, he becomes very affluent and polygamous and materialistic and indulgent, had 70 sons, all of whom were killed by a son of a harlot that he had visited Abimelech. And it seems that he lost everything. And yet, though he was small, God used him. And when he became great, he failed. His faith was still sufficient to include him in the hall of faith. There's a very significant line of reasoning that's taking place here. We go to Barak. Is... And we know that he was influenced by two women. His success was made possible by two women. First, Deborah, the prophetess, who went to him and said, this is what God says, gather for battle because the Lord is going to place the enemies uh, at your disposal and defeat them. And he didn't want to believe that and he didn't want to go, but he concludes saying to Deborah, if you go with me, I'll go. In other words, with a woman on his elbow, he would go and fight and have the courage. And God gave him great success. And then another woman, Jael, drove a peg into Sisera's head and finished the job. As Sisera died, he said, nothing like that ever entered my mind before. (laughs) And so... He was successful because of two women. I can identify with him because God has placed two very special women in my life. One, of course, my wonderful wife, Cheryl. And then another, going back to before I was a Christian. And I had just gone through one of the most traumatic experiences that any of us can face. And I was very emotionally upset, wept a lot, and I was very weak. And in the arms of this woman, I felt comfort and solace, even though she was married. And then my mother taught me to walk. And the relationship changed. And so women and their powerful influence in our lives and their nurturing of our faith. And Barak was such a man. Samson. Many people are surprised to see him here and many times we view people and their style of life and we ask, I wonder if they're even a Christian. 
And I think sometimes we enter into judgment on people and because of our paradigms that we place over our expectations of people, we begin to not see what God is doing in their lives. Samson came from a perfect home, wonderful parents who longed for a son and they were told that they would have a son. They dedicated him to God. He was destined to good from before he was born. And if there was ever an individual who was sleeping with the enemy, Samson was it. He, was, he loved the corrupt and was attracted to those who were in the enemy camp. His parents even reasoned with him, is there not a daughter in Israel that, that you would marry and love? And he always loved the Philistines. And Samson was an individual who, before him, it was so obvious what was going on. Delilah would say, oh, please tell me, what is the secret of your strength? And he'd say, you know, tie me with cords or do this and that. And three times, he doesn't get it. This woman is out to kill him. And she finally succeeds in him being bound, his eyes gouged out, made a fool before the Philistines. You know the story. And with Samson, he could not see until he was blinded. And he came to the realization of what he could have realized if he'd paid attention from the very beginning in his life. And he had perhaps five minutes of realizing his destiny as he felt the pillars of the temple of Baal and leaned against them and brought them down, fulfilling his destiny to be a destroyer of the Philistines. However, he himself was lost. Of Jephthah, who was an outcast, the son of a harlot. He had worthless friends. He was called to deliver God's people in the, in the Transjordan, east of the Jordan River. And when he went out to battle against them and accepted the calling of God, he reasoned with the enemy and told them the history of Israel and why Israel possessed the land because they were saying, you stole it from us. And he said, no, you came out against us and God gave us victory over you and God has given it to us. And the enemy says, no way, we're taking it back, even though God had given it. It's a, it's a familiar motif even today as there are those who want to take what God has given in the Middle East to his people. And he, even though he was an outcast, even though he was the least of his community, was used by God to drive the Ammonites out of 20 cities. However, we see him making a foolish vow and having to sacrifice his daughter even in his great success in the Lord. And then David, the least of the sons of Jesse, Jesse, who became the apple of God's eye, trusting God, defeating Goliath. He was persecuted for righteousness' sake, spent years in the wilderness pursued by Saul, became a great king, 
and yet entered into moral compromise and experienced terrible family tragedy. Samuel, another perfect testimony dedicated to God before conception. He served God from weaning to waning. However, he failed as a father, but he was faithful until death. And then the prophets, who we will not go through. We know the story of them. They were persecuted, rejected, punished, tortured, ignored, insulted. Though they were faithful to God, though they were, as the pastor said here Sunday morning, they were the mailman delivering the message. They were punished for being faithful. I jotted down a couple things here. Many of us are ashamed of our testimonies because we assume, we assume that our life story is to be one unflawed by failure and error. And we kind of assume that we are expected to be these perfect people who have never come short and there are no glitches in our testimonies, there's no failures. And if there are failures, then it indicates that we may not be saved and God may come to the point of saying, that's enough, I've had it. And yet God lists there Jephthah and Samson as men of faith who in spite of all their imperfections, in spite of all their failures, God used them. In Revelation chapter 21, 3 through 5, and if you wish, turn there with me, is a very interesting passage that the first book of the Bible I read was the book of Revelation, and this just kind of stuck with me. In Revelation 21, 3 through 5, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. And he shall wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall no longer be any death. There shall no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. That the Lord wipes the tears away, every tear from their eyes. And at first reading, I thought that meant the tears that we weep because of what is done to us. But I have a sense that when I look back on my life and when I'm with the Lord and I look back and see what could have been and should have been, but what I many times fell flat on my face and failed God, I'm going to grieve over my failure of all that God could have done in my life if I, like Samson, would have just opened my eyes to the reality around me. And God wipes those tears away. Understanding that none of us, as, uh, like any of these individuals that we have seen here, none of us have perfectly walked a life of faith and trust in God in sinlessness. But God's mercy and grace are sufficient. There's that B.C. and A.D. aspect of our lives. 
before Christ and after deliverance. And we know that before Christ we failed, but also after deliverance we come short. Everyone has grievously failed B.C. and A.D. In writing my notes this morning, I wrote everyone, and I can see here, I erased it out, and I was going to write in there, some of us. I said, no, everyone. Everyone has grievously failed, even as Christians. What could have been And in our lives, except for God's mercy and grace, we would all collapse in defeat and failure. It is God's grace that carries us forward. I believe one of the greatest enemies of the Christian community is the religious spirit and the religious attitude that we're a whole bunch of perfect people and we have the right to judge everybody else. And you and I exist because of God's mercy and grace. And that is faith. In our lives, all we have is now and tomorrow when it comes. And when tomorrow comes, it becomes now. We cannot relive the past. We cannot undo the past. We cannot redo the past. We can just live right now and say, today, Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to live for you and I'm going to trust in you and I desire to see as we sang, you know, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. I want to follow. I want to respond. I want to be in step, Lord Jesus, with what you want to accomplish in my life today. There's been much failure and loss and I pray that by your mercy and grace, that even if it's for five minutes, as in Samson's life, if it's for five minutes, Lord Jesus, I can perfectly fulfill what you've called me to be. This life is a series of diverse testimonies. And each of you in this room have a unique testimony of successes and failures and God's mercy and God's grace working in your life. And yet he works. In these verses 33 through 38, we see him explaining. He says, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained testimonies, shut the mouths of lions like Daniel, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong like Gideon, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and then the big shift, and others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. And I don't know what you're experiencing tonight. And, you know, many times we assume that blessed begins with a dollar sign or it is some kind of great successful outpouring in our lives where, 
You know, everything we touch turns to gold and we have no problems and no struggles. We have no health issues. We have no difficulties. But that simply is not reality. I jotted down some contrasts here, how God blesses and works. In marvelous deliverance, but also in tragic loss. Example, the story of Jim Elliot. A faithful missionary, a godly man, a marvelous marriage, and went off and was killed. Marvelous deliverance and tragic loss. Through affluence and opportunity, but also through poverty and despair. Through fame and recognition, but also through obscurity and isolation. There are those little women on the other side of the world in the Muslim community who come to faith and they receive lashings, even beheading because of their faith for Jesus Christ and their testimony is never in the news. The tragedy in South Sudan that we do not hear anything about. Those people who are faithful and true to Jesus Christ who are paying with their very lifeblood and there is faith there and there is blessing there and there is hope there that goes beyond description. Those who have fulfilling relationships and those who in their relationships have experienced disappointment, even abandonment and unfaithfulness. Those through abundant faithful ministry and those who, like the prophets, many times experience rejection and antagonism. Those whose lives are beset with health and vigor and stamina and just all of the strength that you can possibly imagine. And then there are those who experience weakness, sickness, disability. There are times that Cheryl and I drive along and we see the frame of a little person in a wheelchair, a young person so terribly disabled. And the thing that invariably goes through my mind is, what will they look like in glory? As the Lord restores to them all of their faculties, and even though in this life they experience none of the stamina that you and I do, those who experience long life as well as those who experience early tragic death, those whose families are happy and harmonious and fulfilling, as well as those whose families are beset with rebellion and disobedience and unfaithfulness. Faith. All of these, whichever side of the equation, faith is fully functional. And God sees things so differently, so many times we view people's lives from the perspective of this world, and we, like Samson, don't see it. And we don't get it. And we don't comprehend God's working all around us in, in the things that are so obvious. The writer of Hebrews says, <clears throat> these men... Whom the world was, of whom the world was not worthy. Some wandering in deserts, in mountains, in caves, in holes in the ground. 
not even a decent shelter over their head or clothing or provision of food, and yet living by faith. And then he says, all of these, having gained approval, better translation is obtained a testimony. The word is martyrios, gained a witness. Having gained approval or a witness or a testimony through their faith, all of them, including Samson, with all of his failures, gained a witness, a testimony of God's faithfulness and the feebleness of his faith. It always fascinates me that Jesus said, if a person has the faith of a grain of mustard seed, our God is great. Our faith so many times is feeble. He says they gained approval through their faith. They did not receive what was promised because God has provided something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Greg's not here tonight. He's sick. He assigned me to be sure that I address this. Apart from us, God provided something better for us so that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. They were looking forward to and anticipating what you and I have come to realize through Jesus Christ at Calvary. That testimony, that evidence, and as we partake in the Lord's Supper, we bear witness to this and the evidence of this. It is by God's grace and by the provision of Jesus Christ that you and I are enabled to live a life on this earth that is fruitful and productive. And in spite of our failings, his blood washes us clean and makes us right in God's eyes and leads us forward to the next opportunity to today, tomorrow, each day that we have the privilege to live. We have entered in, and yet even we, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, we perceive in a mirror dimly. And we look forward to that realization and that reality that we right now cannot even begin to comprehend. The Bible tries to explain it like streets with clear gold. I've never, not, I've never seen that pearly gates and all of these things, none of which, I'm not a precious metals person, I'd rather see a bulldozer and a motorcycle and a car and, you know, some of this kind of stuff it interests me a whole lot more. But we can't even comprehend that reality. And we look forward to that. And the point is this, in the walk of faith, this life is not the field of the rewards of faith. But God is faithful to us. And he holds something better for us. And that marvelous future that we will enter into. God loves us and accepts us in all of our weaknesses and our shortcomings. And he is committed to his purpose that he has established in us. And he will bring it to completion. If he did in Samson, he will in you. If he did in David, he will in you. And so the book of Hebrews calls us to a life of trust in God, not a religious system that 
keeps confirming how good we are, but to a real walk in reality by faith in Jesus Christ. God bless you in that endeavor. And God bless you as you develop that testimony of faith each day of your life, trusting in God, even in your failures. I want to pray with you. Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for those who have gone before us. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the work that you are doing in us and through us. And Father, quite frankly, as we look at ourselves, sometimes we ask, how could God possibly accomplish his glorious purpose through me? But Lord, we need to look to the cross. Yes. We need to be reminded that you love us, you have atoned for us, you have made us right in, our, in your eyes, mm -hmm. and you are committed to fulfilling your purpose yes. in us. We trust in you, Lord Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excellent job. It's a privilege. Yes. I learned it all the hard way.